continues week six. So we're on our sixth week on the book of James. Good morning, church. Are we awake? I'm, I'm going to have to get used to a lot of silence in the church. That's why Brother Paul, when he came, Pastor Paul, he's like, I just didn't know if they were all awake or not, because I didn't hear. We hear, we, usually when we preach in uh, different churches, a lot of times people are a little louder. So we'll, we'll get used to that. We'll, we'll, we'll get you guys to be loud. But in James, James, we're in James, chapter, uh, James part 6, and we're going to be, today we're going to be in verse 12 all the way through uh, verse 15. And uh, so uh, we are blessed if you're here for the first time with us, and just want to let you know that we are here to help people find and follow Jesus. And when I say to find and follow Jesus, remember, it's also our desire as a church, it's our, our desire as, uh, as a leadership in the church that um, you try not to come by yourself to church. Always try to invite other people. If, if what we're going through in the Scriptures in our church is being a blessing to you, if this is an encouragement to you, I'm going to encourage you this morning to try to always invite other people, your neighbors, your family members. Uh, let's try to invite anybody we find anywhere. Let's try to be let's try to be proactive and and inviting people. That's why uh, a lot of times we put those cards on your pew, on, on the pews so that way you can get it and uh, you can share some of that stuff with people. And I appreciate what Janine was announcing. Every time I hear Pastor Roy Janine do announcement, it's encouraging. Uh, they're trying to encourage you guys to do what we need to do so uh, we can move forward with ministry in our church. And uh, one of the things is uh, the Good News Club. Uh, let, let's get on it. Let's get on it. Let's Hopefully, I- even if you have no idea what this is all about, uh, Tim and Janine are going to have a, a meeting, and I think Pauline are going to have a meeting after uh, church today. So I really hope that God puts that in your heart to attend the church. If we reach kids... It'll be way easier to reach their parents. It's just the way it works. It's just the way it works. So let's hope for that. Let's hope that we can start reaching uh, uh, younger and newer generations, especially because we're a church in transition, right? We are a church in transition. So let me change my glasses because I, I know right away that I'm wearing the wrong glasses when everything is blurry, right? It comes with the age. But um, today we continue our amazing study on our amazing book in the book of James. And um, it's a book full of practical wisdom as we have been expressing that. Uh, We've been talking for the past five weeks on the subject that James was addressing to the believers that were running away from the trials in Jerusalem. Uh, verse 2 to verse 12, they were running away from the trials that they were having in Jerusalem, and, and, and they were running away thinking, okay, once we go somewhere else, uh, we're not going to have any more trials, or the trials are just going to, uh, you know, disappear all of a sudden, and James lets them know, no, that's not the way it works. No matter where you are, no matter when and where and how, you are always going to have trials. It's about having the right attitude to trials. It's about having the right information and how to, um, um, how to express yourself, how to respond when you're going through trials. So James made it clear on how you are to deal with life trials. Uh, now, moving forward, when we go to verse 13, and uh, we're going to be in verse 13 to 15 this, uh, this morning, James is going to move from trials to temptation. And, and that is exactly the subject, that's exactly the theme of this morning, from trials to temptations. So how does that work? Well, we're going to learn that this morning, how that's going to work. He, he trans, his transition from trial to temptations begins... Uh, since uh, verse 12 that we were looking at last week, and we'll go into that in a minute. But as James talked to us about trials, we have to remember that the temptation, the, one of the biggest temptations, a big part of, of, of trials is you are tempted as you're going through the trials. Because through the trials, you experience the temptation to either give up in the middle of the trial... You, you have the temptation to give up in the middle or to cut corners, you know, so you don't have to experience pain or hurt. None of us like to experience pain or hurt. And so what, what we try to do a lot of times, even as Christians, 
we try to cut corners. Or, or we try to get away from trials thinking it's a bad thing that is happening to us. So James, uh, all the way from, in chapter 1, all the way from verse 2 to verse 12, talks about trials. And verse 12, it's kind of the closing of the first part and the opening of the second part, which is about temptations. So, from trials to temptations. This is what James says, starting in verse 12. We're going to just review verse 12 and go move on to verse 13, 14, and 15. <clears throat> James says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation when he is under trial. For once he has been approved, he should receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, James is saying, if you endure temptation, if you persevere under temptation, uh, under the trial, and you endure the temptation of quitting or giving up in the middle, you will be blessed. You will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Let no one say when he is tempted, let no one say, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor he, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth dead. So from trials to temptations. A couple of weeks ago I asked you uh, if you have ever experienced trials. So today I'm asking you, have you ever experienced temptations? You know, most Christians won't like to admit that. We will be fine saying, yeah, we, we experience trials. But we're kind of embarrassed when we're asked if we have experienced temptations. Why is that? Why is that? Isn't that also part of the Christian life? It is. It is part of the Christian life. So the, the most important thing on either one, you, you, were, you will always experience trials and you will always experience temptations. The most important thing from either one of them is how do you respond? How do you respond to trials? How do you respond to temptations? We face trials every day. So, some experience different kind of trials. We already went through that before in the previous weeks. Uh, others experience other kind of trials. So, so trials vary. Same thing with temptations. Temptations are all different. They all vary. Trial can affect, a trial can affect, it, it, affect you in many ways. It can affect you emotionally. It can affect you mentally. It can affect you in, in your relationships. It can affect you in your sense of how you view yourselves. Trials will do that. Uh, we have all gone through different times of trials. Uh, times of uh, difficulties. And in chapter 1, James is relevant to us because James is teaching us on how you and I can come from trouble or trials to triumph. So in week 2, we talk about having the right attitude during the trials because you and I have the opportunity in understanding how are we going to respond. We have the opportunity to choose how we are going to view our trials. So we also learn... That in our trials, we develop perseverance. And we talked about that specifically last week. We were talking about that a lot. In our trials, we develop perseverance. And perseverance being, brings maturity. As you mature, and then other things happen in your life. You grow in other areas in your life. And in verse 3, James was saying that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So trials have the purpose uh, uh, in a believer's life to produce perseverance, to make them stronger, to make them stronger in their faith and believe and they're trusting in God. And in the words of James, in chapter 1, verse 4, trials makes us be more mature and complete. And listen to this, not lacking anything. God is working in us when we're going through the times of trials. That's what we've been talking about all these weeks. And then... We, uh, so in week, in week three, how, uh, how, when we go through trials, we need to learn to look at the trials in a godly way so we can maximize the time of testing that we're going through. 
So when we come out of uh, the trials, we will be stronger and more mature in Christ. Today we're going to go through uh, two, two uh, temptations, trials to temptations. Remember, James is writing to Christians who were scattered uh, across the Roman world at that time. And they were experiencing a time of trials, a time of testing. So we got to keep that in mind when James is writing, because James is writing specifically to them. And he is giving them information that will help them to face the trials and will help them to face every adversity they're going through. Now, I, I want to point. Uh, I want. I want. I want to point out something that is very interesting in the text that we're going to go in today, uh, and it's going to be very important to us. L- look at your Bible in James chapter one. James chapter one in the first twelve verses. The first verse, verse two to twelve. It's talking about trials, and he uses a word in Greek that is the word parasmos. The word parasmos uses the word translated trials. It's the word translated trials, James 1, verse 2 to 12. So he keeps on using this word parasmos, parasmos. So the interesting thing is that when he comes to chapter 1, the next verse, verse 13 to verse 18, he's going to talk, he uses the same word only now, he translates the exact same word, but he translates this word, not trials, but now he translates the word temptation. Interesting. Interesting in the Greek. But the same word, uh, the, the same word meaning two different things. Have you, ever, have you ever heard words like that before in the English language? All the time, right? All the time. Same word. So, so a, a wealth of words with multiple meanings exist in the English language, and they're called homonyms. If I, um, yeah, if they're, they're called homonyms, uh, those are words that have the same spelling, the same pronunciation, but differing meanings. It's tricky when the word sounds the same, but can mean something different, different things. This is where context is important. This is where context is important. That's why when you read your Bible, you have to read the context of what you're reading to understand what you're really, what you're really trying to understand. So context comes into play. And for example, in the English word, I'm just going to use an example. For example, we can use the word clip. And we can say, I enjoy watching a clip from a video. So you just watch a short clip from a video. Oh, my mom is going to clip my hair. You're using the exact same word, but it means two different things in the context. You can use the word park. I don't, uh, uh, you know, I don't know how to parallel park, which a lot of you don't know. Not. Just kidding. I'm taking my dog to the park. Right, you're saying the same word. You're using the same word with, with two different meanings. And so the word parasmos uses the word translated, it translates trials in verse 2 to verse 12. But when it comes to verse 13 and verse 18, it uses, it translates the word temptation. What's the point? Am I trying to teach you in English course? No, there's no way, right? The point James is trying to make here, and we're going to go from here to what we're going to talk about today. Here's the point James is making here. Trials can become a temptation to sin. Trials can become a temptation to sin. If we are not careful, if we are not looking at trials with God's wisdom, if we are not considering joy as we are going through the trials, if we are not thinking correctly about God, about who He is, about how He does things, then the external trials can become an internal temptation. I don't know if that, sound, if that makes any sense to you. Trials are things that come from the outside. Trials come and come to you from the outside. They're external. And they come to you. Now, trials can become an internal temptation. It's, it all depends how you respond to the trials. <clears throat> Let me give you an example. Let's say you have a trial of pain. You're going through pain in your body. And you're trying to be, you know, to trust in God. And God wants you to learn how to trust in Him and to depend on Him for the pain that you're going through. But you might be tempted to use illegal drugs to ease that pain. That makes sense? So trials can become a temptation. 
So let me give you another example. You can have trials, financial trials. You might have debt or deficit where there's not enough financial resources uh, through your paycheck to meet your obligations that you have, your everyday obligations. And you might be tempted. That might be a trial where God is saying, trust in me, I will provide. I will provide. I told you already, I know your needs, I will provide. And, and, but at the same time, you might be tempted to still. Uh, to cheat on your financial statements as you're giving an account to your employer. Now, you can be tempted to be dishonest in that cell that you're trying to make. And so the trial can turn into temptation depending on our attitude and the way we respond. You can also, uh, you know, a lot of people are facing trials of loneliness, especially during the pandemic time that we went through. And if you're not careful during the trial of loneliness, the trial of loneliness can become a temptation for an illicit relationship or for an inappropriate online companionship. You can be tempted to seek unhealthy relationships in a way that is not spiritually healthy and does not honor God. It is a temptation at that point. So trials can become temptations. And that is the point James is trying to do. So we, we need to understand something very important here, that temptations are opportunity to choose other to choose something other than God. Temptations are opportunity to choose something other than God. All temptation is rooted in the lie that something other than God and His will can meet my need or, or bring me satisfaction. That's what temptation is. Other, something other than God can, bring my, can, can fulfill my needs and bring me satisfaction. So let me tell you, God can be the source of trials, but He can never be the source of temptation. That's why in verse 13, James says, let no one. You guys are going through trials, and in your trials, you guys are feeling tempted to do the wrong thing. So, but let no one say, I'm doing this because God allowed it in my life. I'm doing this because I'm going through this trial, and because of these trials, I'm feeling tempted to do the wrong thing. That is God's fault. And James says, do not do that. Let no one say when he's tempted, I've been tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Temptation is, is that which moves us to sin, to do what God told us not to do. And God, James says, cannot be tempted, but we can be tempted, and we're going to see that today. How is it that we're tempted? Temptation, but by its very nature, feels wrong. Feels wrong. God's moral law is written in our hearts. And so when we're tempted, it automatically feels wrong. Every Christian faces temptation. Even Jesus was tempted. But I want you to see, we're going to watch a video right now for a couple of minutes. But what I want you to pay attention in this video is that the external actions of these kids that you're going to watch in this video are the internal actions that we as adults have when we're going through temptations. So, so just enjoy the video for a minute. Here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one, so then you'll have to. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? All right. Go do something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy.
up to you. You can have it now or you can wait. Okay? I'll be back. Stay in the chair, okay? Okay. do the same things that we're doing because kids are very expressive right but a lot of times in our hearts we're going like oh man and 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 we're just thinking about it thinking about it and and we're 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 even making a plan how do i do this how how do i how can i make it you know if we're if we're real if we're real to ourselves we will say yes we do that because we all do that in different ways we all do that we're going, temptation is a normal thing in our lives. So James will help us learn to put temptations and sin in the right perspective. He, he, and, and some of the things that he says, he, he goes all the way from verse 13 and says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempts anyone. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. So, here are some things that we need to learn from James about temptation and sin. Uh, the, the, the first thing that I want us to learn about temptation and sin, sin is what, what's the source of temptation? What is the source of temptation? What, what did he say in verse 13? Let, let's move forward on the slices. In, in verse 13, he says, what is the source of temptations? The temptation does not come from God. God can be the source of our trials, we said before, but we can, he, can, he can never be the source of our temptation. So that's why in verse 13 he says, let no one say, don't you dare say you are being tempted by God. Uh, you are not being tempted by God. Don't say that. And, and a lot of times what we say is, well, God, uh, God uh, did this to me. It's not my fault. Oh, God allowed this trial in my life so He knows I have needs. He knows I have needs and I have to do what I have to do. So it's not my fault. Why did God, if God is a sovereign God, if God can do it all, why didn't He take this desire of these thoughts away from me? And a lot of times, the, only, the, the main problem we have is that we do not want to take responsibility for our actions. And James says, don't do that. Don't blame God. God allowed me to do this. God allowed me to do that. It's His responsibility. He could, he could have stopped this. Often we are tempted. 
not to take responsibility for our actions. And we basically follow the same pattern Adam and Eve did in the beginning. And we all, we all know about that. We all know the Bible really well. And in the beginning, Adam and Eve, what did they do? They kept on blaming each other, right? And so from verse 1 through verse 7 in Genesis chapter 3, uh, we read the story on how the serpent uh, deceived Eve, uh, put doubt in her head. Uh, she kept on seeing the fruit uh, with the desire, and that desire just grew and grew and grew until the desire was conceived and became sin. As a matter of fact, in verse 8 it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they were hiding. They were hiding from the Lord uh, God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I, was, I, I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I command you not to eat from? And so instead of the men saying, Yes, Lord, I messed up. It's my fault. I did it. I did not do what you told me to do. Instead of doing that, he says, the man said, The woman you put here with me. And we all heard this before many times. You've been Christians for a long time. But it is true. The man was just saying, instead of taking responsibility as the head of the house at that point, he didn't take responsibility. He just blamed his wife. And basically, by blaming his wife, he was blaming God. Because he was telling the woman that you put here, you put her here with me. We, we were having a good time with the animals. You know, we were chilling. And there was no problem with the animals. I was having a great time with the animals until you gave me a wife, she says. That's not true. I'm just kidding with that. But basically... He's blaming God for giving him a wife. He's blaming God for this. And so she gave me some of some she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, "What is this that you have done?" The woman said, "The serpent deceived me and I ate." So Adam was blaming Eve. Eve was blaming the serpent. We all know the story. So the Lord God said to the serpent, and now the serpent had nobody else to blame. So there was no other way around for the serpent. We have the tendency to blame others. God. And a lot of times we blame the devil. You know, the devil doesn't have to come around and tempt us very often. All he has to do is to put a little seed. The rest, we do it ourselves. We do it ourselves. You'll see it today. So that way we, don't, we, we can stop blaming others. Uh, but it is like me. When I desire, some people know that I like sweet stuff, but I don't like just any sweet stuff. And, and so sometimes uh, when I desire sweet stuff, it's, it's all Tim's fault now. It's all Tim's fault. Uh, see, he knows. But it's also his fault that when I go through Studebaker and Firestone, I'm looking for the churro truck. And it's all his fault. I'm like, why did he tell me there were some good churros on the truck right there that's at the corner? And then when it comes to, sometimes we just come with Pastor Roy from riding 26 miles, 40 miles. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to start doing good now. And then all of a sudden, hey, did you eat your ice cream yet? That's, that's Tim's question to me. So it's like, why did he have to mention ice cream, right? It's his fault, not my fault. Because we're always looking for somebody to blame. Uh, let's face it, in our human nature, we don't want to take responsibility for our sin failures. We don't want to. We hide them. We ignore them. We deny them. We excuse them. We blame others. We blame the devil. We blame God. But that happened since the beginning. We just read it. But James is clear when James says, God will not do that. Here he is. Here's the reason why. The reason why God doesn't do that to the believer is because for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. It's God's nature to operate according to His goodness and kindness. That is the attributes of God. It's in His nature to, act, to, to operate to, according to His goodness and kindness. Not to tempt you. Not to tempt people, but to, not to make them fail into sin. His goodness won't allow it. His kindness won't allow it. 
God's purpose in the trials is for us to grow, to get stronger. So it doesn't come from God. So if temptation doesn't come from God, where does it come from? It comes from the enemy within. It comes from within our hearts. We're all, I have news for you in case you didn't know that. But we're all fallen sinners. Oh, pastor, but I've been a Christian for 15 years. It doesn't, for 50 years, 100 years, it doesn't matter. You still wrestle with your, with your simple humanness. We all do. We all wrestle. We all struggle. If not, then that means you will be denying what the Word of God says. Because in verse 14, James says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. You are drawn away by your own desires and enticed. So the source of temptation, because we need to understand this first. Where is the source of temptation? The source of temptations is yourself. It's me. There is a struggle within our hearts. There's a struggle within our hearts. A lot of times we want to do what's right, but we wrestle. Do we do what's right or do we do what, we, what it feels good to us? And, and I like the way Paul wrote it to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. For the flesh lost against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. So the spirit, the Holy Spirit within you, is encouraging you to do right, but the flesh in you, it's fighting against that, and you're wrestling, and you're struggling with that. And that's why a lot of times when we are tempted, we struggle to do the right thing. Do we do the right thing? Do we do the wrong thing? Of course, to do the wrong thing is the easiest thing because we just got to do it and done. To do the right thing, it takes an effort. To do the right thing, it takes obedience to God. So the flesh and the spirit are going against each other. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Paul didn't just tell this to the Galatians, but he also put himself as an example to the Romans. In Romans chapter 7, verse 14, he says, For we know that the life is spiritual... But I am fleshly, sold into bondage to sin. For I do not understand what I'm doing. You, you see what Paul is saying here? Paul is saying, I don't understand what I'm doing. I don't understand what I'm doing because what I want to do, that's not what I do. And what I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. And, and Paul says, for I am not practicing what I want to do. But I do the very thing I hate. However, if I do the very thing I don't want to do, I agree with the law that the law is good. Watch on verse 17. But now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin that dwells where? In me. Sin that dwells in me. So who's the source of temptation? Me. It's sin that dwells in me. For I know that good does not dwell in me. That is in my flesh. So he explains, not in my spirit, but in my flesh. For the willing uh, is present in me. So I want to do this right thing. I want to do what's right. But the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I do the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it. But sin that dwells, again, Paul repeats again, sin that dwells in me. I struggle with sin. I struggle doing the right thing. I need to do the right thing. So when we look at James chapter 1, verse 13, the first thing that we need to understand is, what's the source of temptation? The source of temptation is not God, James says. So he's telling the believers that, they were, that he was writing to, do not be blaming God for this stuff. Do not be blaming God for the struggles and the trials and the adversities you're going through. Don't blame God for that. That stuff comes from within your heart. We are fallen sinners. Saved by the grace of God. The only good thing in us is the grace of God that has been deposited in us so we can believe for eternal life. Other than that, we're fallen sinners. And so Satan, all he has to do is to plant the seed, like I said it before. We do the rest. 
A lot, of, a lot of times people say, oh, this, the devil has been tempting me. No, the devil is too busy doing other things, believe me. He's not, he's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. So he cannot be at all. The Satan can only be in one place at a time. And Satan cannot read your thoughts because he's not omniscient. Amen to that? So don't be blaming Satan. Take responsibility. When you make the wrong choice, it's you are responsible. So desires that we struggle with when we choose to please ourselves by displeasing God. There are circumstances or people around us that doesn't make temptations any easier for us. But ultimately, we are responsible. It's our responsibility. It's the desires that we have within, within ourselves that we want to please ourselves and not God. So during trials, we will be tempted, but not from God. And so I just want you to see this. Trials come from who? Trials come from who? Trials come from God. Temptations come from within me. Now, the result will depend on your relationship with God, what's in your heart. So how can you be certain? How can you be sure that you're going to do the right thing? It all depends in how is your spiritual maturity. It all depends on how your relationship is with God. It's nobody's fault that we fall into sin. That we are tempted is nobody's fault. That we do it to ourselves. The source of temptation is us. Now, here's the thing. The purpose of temptation is to make you do what? To make you sin. Right? So, the purpose of temptation is to make you what? To make you sin. But you know that... Sin is a process. And a lot of times... We're like, oh, you know what? I just didn't expect that, and I just sinned. No, sin is a process. Sin is a process. And James, I like the way James puts it over here. I'm going to try to explain it the best way I can, because I'll be honest with you. I have done these teachings on James before, but I never saw what I saw this week. It's something that I I I just praise God. I'm like... So I'm looking at this in a different way right now. But, but I'm going to try to explain it to you what I have learned this week. So that we can all grow in that area and understand the process. The sin is a process. Uh, look at what James says. Uh, let, let me make something clear before I even do that. Temptation is not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. Even if you feel bad when you feel tempted... Temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted in the desert, right? Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was, Jesus was tempted in the desert, but he did not sin. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, he, it says, the writer of Hebrews, seeing, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast in our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted. So Jesus was in all points tempted as we are, yet with no sin. So temptation is not sin. It's what you do with temptation that becomes a sin. Remember when David David was uh, was on the rooftop of the castle of, of his house, whatever it was? And he saw Bathsheba, Bathsheba taking a bath, right? And when he saw her, he could have just said, oh, oops, there's a woman taking a bath, going away. But, but instead of doing that, he's like, oh, there's a woman taking a bath, right? And his attitude and his way of looking at her, it was different. He wasn't looking at her just because he looked at her by accident, but now he was looking at her with a different intention, different desire. So that temptation, that that sin that he committed, it just didn't happen. He processed through that before he ended up doing what he did. Temptation is not a sin yet. It's a sin when you and I act on that temptation. So the issue is not temptation. It it is what, what we do with it. And in verse 14 it says, But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then that desire, uh, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. 
So now James is telling us how sin really works. He's not just telling us temptation doesn't come from God. Temptation comes within you. It's in you. And how does that work then? If it's in me, how does that work? Now James is telling us how sin works. And this will help us understand the sin is not an act of disobedience. Sin is a process that brings you... That, that, it's a process of disobedience that brings you to do what's not pleasing to God. So sin, sin is not an act. Sin is a process. So the temptation that comes from within us will take us through a process... Remember this, it's the temptation within you that will take you through a process before you act and sin. So sin is, sin is a process. And, and again, in verse 14 and 15, we see this process. Look at the, the first thing that happens in this process is desire. You go through desire. You look at something or you think about something and you desire that. That is the first step towards sin. Desire. And then when you have that desire, in verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own, what? Desire. It's a process and where the Greek shows, what the Greek word shows here, both of the Greek words here, is that you are dragged. You are dragged and you are seduced by your own desire. So it's like, come on, man, come on, you can do it. Why not? Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's saying anything. You can do it. And it's dragging you. And it's seducing you. Temptation is like a trap. Where the hunter is trying to uh, bait a trap to attract or seduce his prey into the trap. And, and that, is, that is the same concept here about the word desire. So the bait is the temptation has to look good. If the bait doesn't look good, then there's no temptation. But the bait has to look good. So when the fish takes that bait, it's because it looked good to the fish. He just didn't know he was going to be hooked on it and be cooked later on. Right? So the bait, it's the temptation, has to look good for the animal. Uh, when, the, when the animal feels dragged or seduced for it. But it all begins with the desire. Your own, and James says, this is your own desires. You know what that makes me think? This, this means that we all have different things that tempt us. Because we all have different, what? Desires. Desires. What is a temptation for some of you might not be a temptation for some others. What's a temptation for one of you might not be a temptation for me. But we all have different desires. And from our desires, that's where we feel tempted. But everything starts with the desire. So from desire, we go to a second thing. We go to deception. When the desire, then desire, when it has conceived. And here's where I want you to put attention, pay attention to this. When desire, then desire, when it has conceived. Now the desire... Got you hooked. Conceive. Now you allow that desire, that thought, to come into your mind and to stay in your mind. What do you do with it? Did you start thinking about it? Now that desire began to give you thoughts. And now you start thinking about it. You start fantasizing about it. You, you, did you start planning on it? How am I going to do it? Did you start enjoying what you were thinking about it? What are you going to do with that thought? So Paul says that, that we should take every thought captive to Christ. Doesn't Paul say that? The reason Paul says that we should take every thought captive to Christ is because when we desire something and then we start thinking about it and we let it be there, and we let it be there, the longer you let it be there, the easier it's going to be for you to sin, the harder it's going to be for you to stay away from that sin. Because you conceive those thoughts. It's like when you tell a person, it's unconceivable to think that they were able to do that. What does that mean when a person says that? What it means is they cannot, they cannot imagine, or they cannot even think about it. So when you're saying, that desire in you conceived. 
And I want you to see the, 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 the third thing because this is important. Um, James compared this to a baby being conceived. That baby is conceived in the womb. That baby begins to grow in that womb. And then temptation becomes, uh, temptation becomes a desire. And if we don't deal with it when it's just a desire, that desire t- turns into thoughts. And that, those thoughts are starting to grow in the womb of your thoughts, in the womb of your mind, in your heart. Just as a woman allows a baby to, when she conceives, a woman allows a baby to grow in her body. So if we allow that desire to grow in our lives, the more you think about it, the more time <coughs> you allow it to grow, the more d- difficult it's going to be to stop it. That will take you to the third step. So when you desire, and then you allow it to go through your thoughts, and you are just thinking and thinking and thinking, The third thing is going to take you to disobedience. Then the desire, when he has conceived, when he has conceived, he gives birth to sin. So, you see, it's the same process that a woman goes through. When 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 they conceive, they get pregnant, they go through a time. And as they allow the time that is supposed to, eventually, it's going to, they're going to give birth. And so what James is saying is the same process. It starts with the desire. When you desire, then you conceive. Then after you desire and you conceive, you stay there for a time. You still haven't sinned yet. But as you think and think and think and you allow the time that you're supposed to allow after conception, you are going to eventually give birth. But in this case, not to a baby. In this case, you're going to give birth to what? To sin. Have you ever thought about that? That you, you, you don't just go and, you know, people that commit adultery or stuff like that, they just don't go and do it. It takes a process. It takes a process. The worst part is that a lot of times people are going through that process without even thinking. Without even thinking, I'm going to end up, I'm going to end up losing my family, or if it's any other type of sin, I'm going to end up going to jail, or I'm going to end up doing this, or I'm going to end up hurting people. People just don't think that about that at at that moment. They're just thinking, this is my desire. This is what I want. So I conceive those thoughts, and those thoughts stay in my head for a while. And as those thoughts are staying in my head for a while, and and I'm thinking about it, and I'm planning about it, then eventually, when I less expect it, it's time to give birth to sin. So now I act on sin. You see how that process goes? Now, when I act on sin... What I don't think is, I'm thinking at that moment, oh man, this, this feels good. And the more you stay in that sin, the more used to you get. If you have never gone through it, and be careful with that. Because when any of us sin, and we don't repent of our sin, what happens is that you start feeling comfortable, more comfortable more comfortable. And every time what, what, what was offensive to you before, it's not offensive anymore. It's like no big deal. Well, isn't every Christian doing that? Isn't everybody doing that? Isn't that acceptable now? Well, the times have changed. The culture has changed. So it must be acceptable now. And we start, you know, as we give birth to sin, we let it grow and grow and grow. So disobedience then the desire, it has, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Now, you allow temptation to become that desire, and then the baby sin, it's, it's born. Do, do you see the process? Desire, conception, birth, but, but it doesn't finish there. Once you give birth to a baby, in this case, a baby sin, what happens after that? When you give a birth to a baby, do your babies stay little all the time? No, they grow because you feed them. And when you sin and you have given birth to sin, you feed that sin because you keep on excusing yourself or you keep on blaming other people that it's their fault that you sin. Or you keep on blaming God that you sin. 
And we need to come together and, and, and come before God and say, Lord, I am repenting of my sin. Because if you don't repent of your sin, the next step, you're not going to like it. You're not going to like it. You were tempted by your desire. You let it grow. Now you act on it. Now that is sin. A similar process happened in the original sin. You know that? So when we see this, uh, let's look at the next slide. Uh, James says basically, I have, I have three things that, that you guys are looking at. James is saying, you are going through the desire, the deception, and the disobedience that gives birth to sin. Well, Adam and Eve, and I don't know, we should have been done by now, but I did not expect for time to go so fast. But Adam and Eve, especially Eve, went basically through the same thing as she was deceived by the devil. And Eve, she saw the fruit. Uh, if you look at verse 6 in Genesis 3, she saw the fruit. So a, a lot of times sins, our sins come in from us, uh, within us we struggle. So when we look at something we like, and the text says that Eve stared at the fruit, basically. Uh, this is how it goes. And I'm just going to read it for you because we don't have time to go over when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good. So Eve saw the fruit and she didn't say, Hey, no, that's the fruit that God said. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not gonna. As a matter of fact, God didn't say don't touch it. She had that. God said don't eat from it. So she twisted God's words. So she can basically have permission for herself to do it. And so when she saw that the fruit was good, she, so everything began with the eyes. And then it says it was pleasing to the eye. So now uh, it's pleasing to the eye. And then it says, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. So now from the eye, it goes to be pleasing to the eye. It goes to feel the desire, which is what James is saying. So once that happened, she went through the deception. She took it. <clears throat> she took it. And when she took it, basically, she was conceiving. And then she ate it. And when she ate it, that's when the disobedience, she gave birth to sin. And when she ate it, she didn't just eat it, and, 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 and she was the one paying the consequence. No, she went and influenced her husband. And then after both of them sinned, they didn't think how it was going to affect the rest of us. And that's why sin within us is a big struggle for us. That's why. So temptation is a big struggle. Temptation is something like that. The more you dwell on it, and the closer you let it get to you, the stronger the attraction will be. In fact, if you don't look out, the time may come when it will be almost impossible to pull away from the temptation. Don't let it happen. And do not say, oh, it's God's fault. No, it's your fault. You're responsible for it. And, and, and today, nowadays, people are like, you know, don't talk like that, Pastor. That hurts people. Well, you want me to lie to you? I can lie to you. I can tell you, do whatever you want. God loves you. Isn't that what some big preacher says in the in the middle of the country, in the south. Everything is good. You can do whatever you want as long as you feel good. I want to make sure that you are armed with the Word of God. And that when you are armed with the Word of God, that you will, you will feel the desire of something that is wrong. And that you will say, wait a minute, here is where the process begins. Here is where the process begins. If I keep on thinking about this, the desire is going to grow in me. I'm going to think about it for a minute. And then when I think about it, the more I go thinking about it, I'm going to plan for it. I'm going to dream about it. I'm going to fantasize about it. And then all of a sudden, when I less expect it, I might do it. So I better stop right there. I better stop before I'm even thinking too much about it. So that's my desire, that you will learn that. That the result of sin, what's the result of sin? So as the baby sin is born... If you don't repent, when you sin, you always, you can always repent. You can always ask God for forgiveness. We have all gone through that, haven't we? Amen? 
Amen. If you're not, if you haven't sinned, please take me to lunch today and tell me how you did it. Because I need the secret. But when, when the desire, when he has conceived, he gives birth to sin, and sin when it's full grown, so now you feed that baby. You feed that baby. You feed that sin that you committed. After you conceive, you give birth to the sin because you did it. And now you keep on feeding it and feeding it and you don't repent of it. And the more you feed it and you don't repent of it, that baby's just growing, it's growing. And you know, would it be a sad thing for a baby once they're full grown, killed their own parents? But that's what sin does. It's disgusting, isn't it? It, it bothers just to even think about that. My kid that I fed could finish my life. But that's what sin does. And when we give birth to sin, we just don't stop to think about it. This is going to kill me. Have you ever sinned against God? And don't, don't answer that. Just think about it, please. Have you ever sinned against God when after you sin, you feel like you feel dead? You're like, I shouldn't have done that. Well, it's a good thing if you felt that way because that means the Holy Spirit is in you. And it's convicting you. But there's no worse thing than to feel like, what did I just do? Because when sin is all full grown, it will kill you. It will kill you. And if there's no repentance, you got to remember, if there's no repentance, I'm sorry. That means you're not even a believer. Is that? But a lot of times we we keep on we keep on putting excuses, making excuses for ourselves. Yeah, that's why in Proverbs fourteen twelve it says, "There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death." Many people think, "Oh, I can do that. Nobody will ever know. I can cover my tracks, or, or it doesn't matter, or I just uh, you know I just do it anyways." Ultimately, sin will kill you. You know how, <clears throat> do you know how Eskimos kill wolves in Alaska? Eskimos kill wolves in Alaska. Uh, the trap they put is they will freeze a knife. They will freeze a blade using ice mixed with rabbit's blood. So they mix it with rabbit's blood, the ice. So they think that they're eating an ice cream, right? Made out of rabbit's blood. That's what the wolf thinks. So they start leaking the knife. They start leaking the eyes, leaking the eyes, leaking the eyes. And guess what happens after a while? They keep on leaking the eyes, thinking, and they, they, they finish leaking the rabbit's blood on the eyes. They're done with the eyes, and now they're leaking the knife. And they don't realize that they're leaking their own blood. Until they die. And that is sin to you. You keep on doing it. You keep on doing it. You keep on doing it. Without repentance. God always gives us a chance to repent. Let's not be like the wolves in Alaska. God will always give us a chance to repent. Stop it before you begin planning on it. It becomes a behavior that leads to death. That is the sequence, but it begins with desire. James wants these believers that they were being tempted to understand how temptation can become sin. And sin doesn't just happen, it's a process. So just, just to finish, let me finish in the next two minutes. I got a minute and a half to finish. I should have finished 15 minutes ago. But I'm sure you'll forgive me because it's the Word of God, right? What's the solution to sin? I'll give you a solution really quick, but not lightly. Number one, run away from sin. Get away from it as far as you can. Get away from it. Remember what Joseph did in the book of Genesis? When the, when the wife of his, uh, his master wanted a Joseph to sleep with him? And Joseph said, uh-uh, this is not my place. He ran away. And God honored that. So he ran away. So if, you, if you're in a position where you feel tempted, get away from that. 
get away from whether it's a situation or a person, get away from that. Another thing, understand that God doesn't tempt you, but at the same time, He will always give you a way out. So when you are tempted and you sin, don't say, why did God did not get me out of it? God puts, you, uh, puts, puts a sign and says, exit. When God gives you the exit sign, run. That's the way to do it. Where do I get that? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to men. So temptation is common to human beings. But at the same time, even though God doesn't give you the temptation, God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. He will not allow temptation beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide what? A way of escape. Run. That you might be able to endure. Know that the Word, know the Word of God, apply the Word of God. That's how Jesus responds to temptation. Know the Word of God. And the more you occupy your mind in the things of God, the, the less chance is going to be that you're going to be defeated by, by your own sinful nature. You will feed more your spirit than your sinful nature. But if you're going out there and you're watching TV shows, you're hearing music that's just feeding your sinful nature, that's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to end up doing. And if falling to sin, remember the Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 2, it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. If you fall into sin, repent. Repent. God is, God is ready to forgive you. Just because you sin doesn't mean it's over. God is ready to restore you. But you have to repent. God is good. And the psalmist says that, God, you are good and you do good. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from our all unrighteousness. He is ready to do that. Do not, do not let sin build the house in your head. Get rid of it. So, I'm just going to finish with this. Remember how we finished verse 12 last week? If you persevere, what will you receive? The crown of life. And so today we're finishing in verse 15. If you fall into the temptation of your sin, and you let sin to be full grown, what will you do? You will die. So, there is a choice, God says. I have before you life and death, blessing or cursings. What are you going to do? It's your choice. It's you who are supposed to be obedient to the Lord. James it's amazing in teaching these truths to us. The question is, are we really going to be forgiven? Yes, the Word of God says He will forgive you. Let's trust in God to give us the strength to say no to those things that tempt us. And do not ever blame God, not even the devil. The devil is already, the, the, the devil is already being, he's already judged. He, he's already, he, he's going to be you know, he's going to be in the lake of fire. He's done. Don't, don't blame the devil. Don't blame God. Don't blame others. Take responsibility. And if you do sin, ask God to forgive you. He is more ready to forgive you than you are ready to ask for forgiveness. Our Father in heaven, we, we thank you so much, Lord, for our time together in the Word today. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to go one more week through the book of James and to understand what you want us to understand about the process. Not just, not just that the desire comes from within us, but also to understand the process that we go through as we sin. Help us that we don't allow that process to go so far in our lives that we will not be able to stop the birth 
and the groan of the sin that we're struggling with. Forgive us if we have sinned against you. Forgive us if we have sinned against others. Forgive us if we have sinned by not talking about you to others. And help us be a witnesses, be testimonies, be, be the light and the salt of this earth. So that other people can come and hear about you. Lord, we thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.